We have a little in-between time between our typical studies of books, and so we're going to look at a, one of the psalms today. Uh, it's an appropriate psalm for a couple reasons. Um, it may be one of the most well-known, well-read uh, over the thousands of years since it was written. Um, it's, it's, you, you're unable to count how many people have looked to this psalm as a way to find guidance and comfort in their lives. Um, and so I, I feel like it's an appropriate psalm to look at as we say goodbye to one year and usher in another. We look for guidance from God's words. We'll do that from this psalm. And it also happens to be the same number as the year that we're ending. So Psalm chapter 23. If nothing else, you'll be able to remember the last sermon you heard this year was, in fact, the same psalm as the year itself. So Psalm chapter 23, one of the great psalms of the Bible. Um, we're going to look at it as a way to uh, kind of set our year into motion. And as you're turning there, I imagine some of you have already thought through a new year, fresh start, uh, a cultural moment to think through some things to maybe do better. We call them resolutions. Um, I was interested in what were some of the resolutions that maybe a lot of people were thinking through after the year we just ended or the times that we live in. So I did a, if you don't have your resolution, I've saved you some time. I've done some homework for you. I'll give you some options. Very surface level research of the top resolutions of the year 2023 heading into 2024. So uh, maybe this is your moment to take some notes as you think about getting your life in order. Uh, I have four that are surface level top four going into the new year. One is a lot of people, it seems, are wanting to start eating right again. It's been a it's been an active holiday season. I think we all gave each other a pass on maybe some things that would normally be outside of the bounds of healthy eating. And now many people use the new year as a way to set the diet in order. And that will be a common theme for this upcoming year. Uh, a lot of people want to use the new year, fresh start, new mindset as a, as a way to get motivation to get into the gym. So 2023, for whatever reason, maybe it's the winter months, maybe we are just more sedentary than usual, but uh, many people are looking to get healthy physically by getting some exercise in. So uh, I don't think any of you necessarily need that. That's like offering someone gum. It's like, take it if you need it. I'm not saying you have bad breath. Uh, many people are using this fresh start as a way to reel in finances, live within their means. End of year spending sometimes gets out of control a little bit. Um, you're putting everything into order and you think, okay, this year I want to do finances better. And then number four, many people use the new year, this upcoming year, as a way to set a goal, to add a new skill, to do something good with their life, learn a language, uh, get a, learn a new dance step that they never knew, just take some time to say, okay, how can I just be a better person and improve my life practically? So there are four things that from 2023 into 2024. Now, what you'll notice about the list is that they're the same four as they always are. <laughs> These have nothing to do with the times we live in. These have nothing to do with the year we're ending. These are always what humans are working on. And the reason we start with that is a reminder that the same 
problems that we're trying to resolve this year are always the problems. And the lesson won't be far off that no matter how resolute you are, starting Monday, it can very quickly unravel to kick the can to next year where these four things will continue to persist as things that need to be resolved in your life. So as we look at Psalm 23, we're going to look at it as a way to say, it doesn't matter what you set out to do in your life until you have the main and primary foundation of your life resolved, everything will unravel. And you will live in a perpetual cycle of trying to put a few things in order at a time and then looking down the lane at the next thing that needs to get set into order. The, the real resolution to life, the real foundation by which everything actually will fall into order is when your life is ordered by God. And so Psalm chapter 23 is one of the great ways you can answer a question how do you actually resolve a life, put a life into order, get your life moving in the right direction? Psalm 23 will say, here is a life pointed in the right direction. And if you get this right, you get all the others. You can actually resolve all issues of your life if you get the number one issue figured out. So with that in mind, we're going to look at Psalm 23 as a way to allow God to put our life in order as we enter into the fresh start of a new year. And we'll just look at these six verses. Each one of these verses has a way that you can see God's hand in your life, putting something into order. And uh, we'll do it in a way as we look forward and in some ways as we look back in the year that we just are coming out of. So in verse one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This is the primary resolution of any life is to find the answer to who in fact is guiding and leading your life. Uh, we find the metaphor throughout scripture as God does his best to express his heart for humanity. And not just humanity, but for the specific life that he's created in each one of us. How can we relate to the creator God of the universe? And there are some great metaphors that come up as themes throughout the scripture. There is, of course, the metaphor of a father relating to children to understand the love of God. There is a metaphor of a student relating to a teacher to understand the wisdom and the design of God that we have to continually learn. And there is maybe the one that is the most helpful for these kind of moments. When you think about the direction of your life, God continually reveals himself through this odd pairing of a shepherd caring for sheep. And David, of course, writing this psalm, has a reference point to his own life where he, in fact, was a shepherd. So he has all sorts of real-life experience that he's giving as a credit to God in his life in the way that he understands his relationship with the Lord. As a shepherd cares for sheep. To understand or to really have this as a foundation of the resolution of your life Two things have to be acknowledged in your heart, in your mind, in your view of who God is. The first is, in fact, that he desires to shepherd. That he is a God who has chosen to relate to humanity the way that we see a shepherd tending for sheep. That God chooses to relate to us as a way to say, I, I want to guide you, I want to protect you, I want to care for you, I want to feed you. 
I want to nourish you. I want to get your life healthy so that it's long-lasting and thriving. This is the shepherd's duty over sheep. So you have to acknowledge what kind of God we're praising or giving thanks to or trying to understand as, as you read his word. That God, in fact, is a shepherd of people. The second thing that must be acknowledged is when David says that the Lord is my shepherd. The second issue that is often difficult when accepting this as a foundation of the guidance of your life is David is relating himself to a sheep, that he needs guidance, that he needs leadership, that no matter what things that you try to do or accomplish with your life, until your life is guided and correctly led, you will in fact find yourself in all sorts of trouble in need of some assistance and some guidance and some provision and some care. So what a great way to enter into a new year with these things on our horizon line. God desires to be a shepherd. Lest we leave him in a manger or only view him from the cross, both of these things so important to understanding his plan to save us. But do we accept the relationship of God of one of leadership and guidance? And two, do you, entering into a fresh start, the perspective of a new year, receive from your life and acknowledge with humility that apart from God leading you, you actually will lead yourself astray or you will be led by something that will not lead you to the goodness of God that we just sang about. So the Lord is my shepherd, and then he says something that I just want to just, I guess, share the word over you. And we can, as we think back to the year we just came from, and we think back, or we think of where we're going, here's something to make a measurement of your life. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. When the Lord is your shepherd, David says, I shall not want. Uh, this, we're coming from the season of want in some ways. It's like, what do you want for the thing that we're going to get you? What do you want for Christmas? What can I get for you? What is your life lacking? And it doesn't take long for our wants to kind of define us in some ways. And, of course, we don't just leave that once the presents are unwrapped and we get everything that we thought we wanted. Uh, Christmas is a great reminder that whatever we thought we wanted satisfies us for just a minute. And... Uh, I think we were like day two into our kids' Christmas break over here before they were like, we want more stuff. I'm like, man, I thought this was going to last us 365 days of you not wanting anything until next year. It's human nature to continually want things. And the guidance that God wants to give us is the calm that comes over our hurried little wants. That when God is in fact leading us and guiding us, he gives us a peace and a calm to all of the desires of our heart that we can have this amazing word define our lives. We can actually be content. The challenge of contentment, maybe at an all-time high, every one of us, all of our wants are a button away, a click away, a view away, and the list grows. And yet, God wants us to be a people that as we wait on him and we present desires to him, when he is guiding us, we can say, 
I'm content. Uh, other area of scriptures in Philippians, Paul says that this is actually the secret to life. He says, I have gone through seasons where I've been full. I've gone through seasons where I've been empty. I've had a lot. I've had a little. And in all of these, I have learned the secret of contentment that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we say to last year, for every area of your life where you are coming under the shepherding guidance of God, you can be satisfied from last year. This is the areas of your life where you can be content and satisfied because God's shepherding guidance covered you. And going into this new year, here's a great resolution to think through as a view. Be satisfied in God. Whatever he has for you. It's like the satisfaction that we see at the vow of marriage in sickness, in health, poverty, riches, uh, whether you're beautiful or ugly. I don't know if that's on the list, but it's there inferred. I'm with you. And that's to the shepherd. We say, when you're my shepherd, I trust that I have what I need. And in having what I need, I trust that I really won't want anything else. The foundation of everything else comes from this simple statement, the Lord is shepherding my life and I don't have any need that he will leave unmet. He then says in verse two, that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. So now we get some of the ways that you'll see the shepherding hand of God directing and guiding your life. And the first way, maybe the most appropriately and order of most importance, as it says that he makes me lie down. He brings you to the place in the, the view of the shepherd and the sheep. He's bringing his sheep to a place where they can find rest and contentment in green pastures and still water, and he makes them lie down. This is, in fact, something that a shepherd must help the sheep with because sheep, like all animals, can be very restless and they can get way too busy about trying to find food or trying to find safety. And the shepherd's, part of the shepherd's hand is to teach them how to actually rest so they can be cared for. And this, of course, is one of the great gifts of knowing God is that we learn how to have rest for our soul. Uh, during this break, I call it a break because my kids were over here, like a lot of the kids, kids welcome. I guess we're just ex extending school break into church break here. Uh, my kids were home and it's like an opportunity to maybe watch a movie or two. We're all cozied up. And one of my kids asked for the movie that was about the place that was always winter and never Christmas. And so that, of course, is the description of Narnia when, it's, uh, when Aslan has, been, uh, has left the land and it's now under the, the spell. And it's, a, it's like, for my daughter, that's the plot of the movie. Could you imagine a place that's always winter and never Christmas? That's, we got to resolve that. And in some ways, that tension is the plot of some areas of our life that need resolution. It's, it's, a, it's an unresolved season. It's something that comes and only works when the, the, the payoff happens. Christmas has to make winter make sense. 
And if I could say what an unresolved season for our culture is, it would be, in fact, that we are always tired and never rested. We, we live in a time where we have so much at our purview. We can always be entertained. We can always find an event or something to put on the calendar. We can always find something to watch or someone to be with or something to scroll. That even in our best attempts to find time away from physical labor or work or the way that we pay our bills, we rush right into the next thing that is just busy in our minds. And that is not something that necessarily gets solved just by coming to church. This is not just a problem for those who do not know the rest of the guidance of the shepherd. We ourselves can be such busy people that sometimes God makes us lie down. And if we look for some ways that we can be better followers of the great shepherd, one of the ways is to allow God to bring rest to our souls, to allow God to shape us and mold us in his presence and be obedient enough to where when God is calling us to rest, we would put down the busyness. We would clear time for him. We would clear things from our mind and the, the constant flow of information so that we can, in fact, do what we said and turn our eyes to Jesus. The shepherd is how rest happens. Uh, one of the books that I read in preparation of this was uh, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm chapter 23 by Philip Keller. So it's a great book. It was written by a, a man who spent many years shepherding an actual flock of sheep before he was called into ministry where he saw what David saw. There is a, a great analogy between shepherding sheep and pastoring people. So he said, hey, here's my way that I've learned the actual the habits of sheep and what it's like to shepherd them and, and maybe some ways to get some insight into Psalm 23. And one of the, the really interesting parts was how he learned to give rest to his sheep. He said there's four things that every flock needs to actually be at rest. And I'll share them with you because, of course, when we think about how God wants to bring us rest, I think these four things would apply to our soul and our spiritual lives as well. It says the flock has to be free from fear. There, it, when there's danger lurking, when there's noise and sounds and anything that could be a potential predator or prey, the flock will always be restless. So they have to find a place where they can find calm so that they can find rest. They also have to be free from friction, as he called it. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time with sheep in our day, but if you do, you'll notice that sheep tend to butt heads they don't like each other a lot of the time. They're territorial and they can, there's, a, there's a, a pecking order of sorts. And so one of the jobs of the shepherd is to make sure that rival sheep are put at rest or made to be at peace so that the rest of the flock can also find rest. It says they have to be free from flies, the little annoying bugs that would just be a constant annoyance when trying to rest, so the sheep has to go through and remove all of the flies, chase them out. And finally, it says they have to have, they have to be full of food. They have to actually be well fed. If they're hungry, they're not going to lay down. Um, I realize that that shepherding analogy doesn't just apply to pastoring a church. It's, this is also 
free parent 101. So parents to kids right now, you've got a job to do anytime you want your kids to find rest. In fact, I was looking over that list of four things after I'd put my kids down and one by one, they come crawling out of bed for everything on the list. It's like the little guy didn't want to sleep because it was too dark and he's afraid of the dark. So he needed light on and someone stole someone else's pillow. I had to break up the friction. I had to turn down some noise because that was annoying them like flies. And uh, a little one right over here, I guess they're all over there. She gets out of bed and says, I forgot to eat dinner, so I'm, I'm really hungry. I thought, you guys just nailed the whole list. You went through one by one, and I'm going to put you all back to bed, and I'm going to try my best to be a good shepherd here. And it's the same as true in your rest, the ability to find the contentment and the satisfaction and your trust in God and rest for your soul. There's the, the, the list that God wants to care for you as a good shepherd. He wants you to be someone who is not living under a banner of fear and worry of the predators and the chaos of the world around you. He wants you to be someone who does not live with a constant fear of running into an enemy and you can't find rest for your soul because you don't have rest in your relationships. He says, I want you to, Jesus teaches us to love God and trust and fear in him. And then he says, love one another so that we can have rest for our community. We can have peace with one another. He wants us to have the pure milk of the word that is not polluted with all of the chaos and the misinformation of our age, flying around our heads like flies, keeping us up at night. And he wants us to be full. He wants us to be satisfied in his word. One of the other marks that Philip Keller made about tending sheep when it had to do with feeding them to their full is he couldn't help but notice what time of day the sheep love to eat. They love to wake right at the sun, sunrise, and they eat the grass while there's still dew on it. It must be their version of like, you know, adding some salsa to the, to the taco or something. They add a little bit of just, make it go down a little bit easier. And he says, how much, if a sheep will rise early in the morning to, to find it's full, what should the people of God be doing? You find rest for your soul you wake up early in the morning and you seek God. And as we think about just this moment where we're thinking, okay, how can we just be better followers of Jesus? How about we take back our mornings? How about we wake early and approach the day with God as our shepherd and a desire to have our souls resting in him as we consume the morning dew of his word? It's small and profound. Add it to the list of 24. What would happen if your 2024 started with you committing to wanting to spend time with the shepherd of your soul in his word until satisfaction? He makes us lie down and he gives us the green pastures and still water. And there is a purpose to the rest of God, the rest that we find in him for our soul. It says in verse three, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So you'll notice that you're finding rest, and right after rest is restoration. This is just the same way God will teach us through metaphors of relationship. He teaches us through our physical body. You find rest for your body so that when you wake, 
all of the things that were happening while you were resting, they were, they were restorative. You wake refreshed. You wake renewed with all sorts of things that in your sleep are getting cared for. And the same is true as we learn and trust the guidance of God in our lives that he wants us to bring us to a place of rest, not simply so we would just have a break from life, but that we would be restored people. The Bible says the outward man's perishing. Your New Year's resolutions are eventually going to expire. You can't resolute the outward man. But the inward man is being renewed every single day. There's a refreshment that is supposed to mark your life when you are living under the guidance of the Good Shepherd. And there's a daily restoration that surely David is speaking of as he just thinks through his love for the Lord. There's also the restoration of life. The restoration of your relationship with God, your relationship with God's people. Most people think David wrote this psalm in his older years, in his older life, which would be after he penned Psalm chapter 51, one of the great restorative psalms of the Bible, something he wrote after his own personal fall into the sin of adultery. And he went through a time with God where he had to be restored. And no doubt, as you think of the year 23, and we just think of where we're going, there are some of you who need to begin resolutely or resolving some of the issues of your life primarily by saying, you need to get right with God. There was something that happened in your relationship with God that caused you to be off the path, as David said, of righteousness or his perfect will for your life. And you need to be restored back into good standing with him and good standing with people. And here's the amazing blessing of Psalm 23. It is God who restores. I think oftentimes when we, when we feel the weight of a broken relationship or distance between God and, and, our, and our soul, we think of ourselves as failing God or we think of a resolution that needs to happen on your list of to-dos. And David says, he restored me. In my failure, I cried out to God and he forgave me and he brought me back in. And as you think of the shepherd and sheep metaphor, it continually points you to Jesus because the gospels are full of Jesus calling himself the good shepherd. And one of the great chapters of scripture and a great parallel as you study Psalm 23, read Luke 15. Because Luke 15 is a restorative chapter that uses the analogy or the metaphor of a, sh a shepherd and sheep. It starts, the, the scene starts with Jesus being accused of eating with sinners he was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees said, how could this be the Messiah? Someone who is supposed to restore righteousness to Israel. And he's basically mixing in with unrighteousness. And so Jesus tells a story of restoration by saying, which of you, let me tell you a story. He tells three, starting with shepherd. said, which of, which of you, if a sheep would wander away from the flock, wouldn't go after him? wouldn't leave the 99 to find the one. And the, we, we take it down to parenting again. Which of you, if you have your flock of children, you notice they're not at home and they're somewhere else, 
Which of you wouldn't go outside and go looking for them? Of course you would. And Jesus, in an incredible way, shares the power of the story, not just by the action of looking, but by the excitement of finding. He says, and, and when the shepherd finds that sheep, picks him up and he puts him on his shoulders, he carries him home. And then when he gets the sheep back to the flock, what does the shepherd do? He doesn't break the sheep's leg. He doesn't reprimand the sheep or make an example out of it. He goes and gets all of his shepherding friends. And he goes, guys, great news. A sheep has been restored. How exciting. Rejoice with me. Jesus gives this beautiful example of the heart of God for restoration. And David understands that it is God who restores a person and he doesn't restore begrudgingly. He doesn't restore with condemnation. He restores with joy. Jesus says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, who comes back, who is restored than 99 righteous who have no need of restoration or repentance. Restoration is a powerful gift and picture of the gospel in our lives. And it is part of being guided by the shepherd, the good shepherd of Jesus. He brings us rest. He restores our soul. He brings us back into community with him and his people. And then it says he leads us into paths of righteousness. So again, restoration is a picture of, in some ways, unrighteousness. It's a sheep who've gone astray. And in going astray, they fell in a ditch. They got stuck in a fence. They grow hungry and weary and weak. It is not the right path for that sheep. But when he's brought back in, he's brought back to the right path. As you look forward in a new year, new year, or new you, what would it look like for your life to be walking on a path of righteousness? That's a great 2024 challenge. Pursue righteousness by the guidance of the good shepherd. Allow him to lead me not just towards heaven, not back to church on Sunday, but lead my life to his perfect will that is right, righteous, and good. And how do you know what the marks of righteousness are? This is, this is beautiful. David says, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. We look at 2023 and we say, in what way did you give glory to God by doing something good? May God be glorified in your righteousness. In what way can 2024 bring glory to God, do something for his name that would be your righteousness? That is a great resolution to be a righteous person for God's namesake. And now we come to maybe the, the verse of this psalm that makes it such a comforting and hopeful and medicine to the soul type of psalm. It's Psalm chapter 23, verse four. Yeah, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, 
They comfort me. We think through the picture of a shepherd leading sheep once again, and there are no doubt times where leading into the green pastures of still water where rest will be found, there is no other way than through the dangerous terrain of a dark, shadowy valley where there's predators and looking at sheep as prey. And how comforting it must be for a sheep to know that they are under the guidance of a shepherd. Know that they're not wandering alone. Know that, as it says, there is a, a staff, a rod, a, a tool of protection and correction that they can look at and say, I find comfort as I go through this scary valley that the shepherd is leading me. And this is such an important comfort to find because as much as we wish, we could read the psalm of the shepherding guidance of God and, and wish it said that he helps us navigate around these valleys, that he carves out paths that keep us out of the shadowy dark places, keeps us only on the peaks of faith. It doesn't say that. And one of the reasons for that is because the shadow of death is unavoidable. The shadow of death casts its shadow over this entire sanctuary right now. And anytime you put a year to close, you have to honor the reality once again that from this stage in this sanctuary, our worship was not only on Sunday morning singing the praises of God within the organized gathering of a traditional church. We had to have unforeseen moments of funerals and mourning. And some of them were very surprising. They, they violate our assumption that 70 to 80 years is what we can all kind of expect out of life. We did funerals for young people. We did funerals for people who died of cancer and disease, not of old age. And no doubt right now, as you look through whatever news feed you follow, you, it won't be a hard search to see the 2023 year of people that were lost. The shadow of death is real and unavoidable. Even as I prepared this sermon on Friday night, I get one of those unfortunate texts. You never want to receive them. It started from Pastor Kirk. He said, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But Junior, who some of you probably know, he was a door greeter right through there over this past year. He just recently moved to Washington to be closer to his daughter. Died in a car accident. He's no longer with us. He, last time I saw him, he was at the gym looking great. And the shadow of death hung over his life. And there was a valley that he didn't see coming. Of course, the news is shocking and sad and heartbreaking. And the response is that. And then the comfort comes. How grateful we all were in that conversation that Junior came under the guidance of the great shepherd that he was not walking through the valley of his shadow of death alone, that the power of God to guide someone through the valley of darkness and say, fear not, I'm with you. My rod and my staff will defeat all evil and there will be no predator, including death, that will take my sheep. 
And so we comfort in our crying in the moments that we see the shadow lurking its head once again. And David says, in the shadow, where death hangs over the heads of all people, I fear no evil. I am not afraid. And now we don't just look back, we look forward. The hardest part going into every year is that the shadow awaits all of us. Every one of us, surprising, unforeseen, the message will come through in ways that will be heartbreaking, but let it be comforted. May it not be a fearful message. As we go forward under the guidance of the Good Shepherd, fear not. The shadow is not the substance. Death has been left in the grave. The Good Shepherd laid down his life to give the sheep the power to not fear evil. As we were singing this song before our time in the Word, we said, turn your eyes to Jesus. It said, what a glorious dawn. Fear of death is gone. We carry his life in our veins. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, go forth, new year, and hear the words of Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. He has overcome. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do not go another step in this life, in the calendar of years, without the good shepherd. And now the scene of this psalm actually shifts from what can be viewed as the shepherd caring for his sheep to what is on the other side of the valley. We now shift our metaphor into a great banquet. There's now a feast that we're going to look at. And from this, we'll, we'll find some confidence moving into a new year. It says in verse 5, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. The, the timing of David's cry to Jesus the Lord is right after the valley where the shadow of death and evil could, could stir in David's heart all sorts of fear. He actually takes us to a much more hopeful scene he comes to the other side of the valley and it says that there was prepared for him a table, a feast where, where the cup overflows, where oil representing the, 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 the chosen one of God waits for him and he's anointed. And it happens in the presence of enemies. And so the reality of the year that awaits you there will be a long list of things that you could potentially fear. And there, no doubt, is a list of people that will be potential enemies. And as you go into a new year, what this is not saying is, at some point, God will resolve every fear and every potential enemy of your life. And maybe, just maybe, you might get to a place where you can just feast on the goodness of God. It says, rather... In the midst of all of the things that could be potential fears, in the midst of the enemies of God 
surrounding you, God says, let's feast. He gives us the ability in his perfect guidance as the world surrounds, as people surround, as fear surrounds, to feast at the banquet of God where he covers you with the power of his spirit and he overflows his goodness at the table. May your year, as you approach this year, don't get off the rails when fear, when fear rears its head. And don't let your enemies keep you from the goodness of God. But like David calling out to his good shepherd, may you enjoy the goodness of God in the midst of the chaos of this world. And then in verse six, he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. One of the reasons I think you can have such a long list of fear is every time there's a new year, there's all sorts of new uncertainty. That's really what fear is. Like, how is this going to happen? What lies beyond the shadows? What in your list of uncertainty? You can't help sometimes but think of the worst case scenario for the economy and for the rumors of war and for the state of our nation and for the, the church age that we live in. Uncertainty, uncertainty, uncertainty. But in verse 6, here's something that moving into the, the, the new year should be underlined. He says, surely or certainly. In all of the uncertainty, there is the certainty of anyone who is under the guidance of our shepherding God. If you are under God's care, if he is your shepherd, if you are the sheep of his pasture, if he has taught you the secret of contentment, if he has brought you to a place of rest and restored your soul and put you on the path of righteousness, the uncertainty remains, but you have something for confidence. Mercy and goodness shall follow you all the days of your life. That is something that you can be sure of. In fact, you can take an exercise that should lead to a sense of thanksgiving and praise because 2023 surely has moments where goodness and mercy have followed you to this moment in surprising ways. By the mercy of God, you are here today in ways that have navigated through your failures and uncertainty and things that were probably very challenging for your life, God's mercy has prevailed and you're here. And as you look back, you can probably see some ways that God worked out some things together for his good. I heard, it was Philip Keller, Psalm 23, the shepherd's guide. He said that mercy and goodness are like the, the sheepdogs of the shepherd. They just follow all the sheep everywhere they go. He also says that they should follow you where you go because of who you are in the shepherd's hand. Is your life a trail of mercy and goodness wherever God is taking you? In 2024, what can you do to allow mercy and goodness to be on the trail of your life? We'll end with this, the confidence that wherever God takes you, there will be mercy and goodness because he is a merciful and good shepherd. 
And then David says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, we, we think about the calendar year because we're people that love to count. It's been 2,023 years roughly since the whole calendar system shifted because of Jesus coming into the world. And we can come into a new year, a December 31st, usher in a new year with praise and thanksgiving because we are not people who are bound to the calendar. We are people who in fact, every year that comes off the, the calendar, we get closer to that word forever. There will be a day when there's no more New Year's. There's no more counting the days. There's no more birthdays. There's no more of us waiting and waiting and waiting for the final resolution. David says, there is a forever coming when I will dwell with the Lord. And so here's a moment to celebrate. We're one year closer. We are one year closer to dwelling with God forever. So if, if I could send this church into a new year with confidence, it would be that as God shepherds and guides your life and your family and this church and his people, we know that mercy and goodness will follow and the shepherd is actually taking us somewhere. He's taking us to be with him forever. Revelation chapter 21 for your new year, a view of forever. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. The final resolution of it all is forever with God where he makes all things right. And he says, behold, I make all things new. So, with that in mind, go forth under the hand and the guidance of the Good Shepherd. May your year be a year where you learned, where you learn to be refreshed in his presence, to be restored in your relationship with him and the people that he's brought into your life. May you learn that narrow way of righteousness may you have the confidence that if you are with Christ, he has a good plan for your life. That there's going to be a good year for you. And soon and very soon, all things will be new and we will get to be with him forever and ever and ever. Amen.